0: Hey, singer, over there. Yes, you. You can hear us. (laughs) We know you're interested. Come and have a listen. (laughs) Today's a very special episode. Episode 20. We'll explain why it's so special in a minute, but for for now, have a listen to this. Well, that was bloody nice. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, not, that's not how you describe indie rock, is it? No. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah. That's how you describe vinyl. What did you think of that, then? I really like his voice. Mm. He's he's striking the perfect balance between balance, as in, you know, like a nice yeah. rounded tone. Yeah. Um. And here and there, he just... He has that bit of rock distortion torture, going on. Yeah, yeah. And he's sitting on... Yeah, really nice bridge notes. So that's that's Echo Tape, and they're they're one of your guys.
1: Yeah, latest single, Whiskey Bar. Yeah, so these guys are all over the place at the moment, and I think that that sounds bad. That sounds like they're just milling, oh yeah, yeah, that doesn't it? Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean in that sense. They
0: are travelling far and wide.
1: Yeah, they're doing a tour and things, but yeah, like you say, there's an element, there's elements of
0: um, functional greatness. In the voice mixed with stylistic wonderment, <laughs> <laughs> his
1: vibrato is great as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, really is. Yeah, one lovely voice, lovely voice. But these guys are just like old school band, yeah. One of the more because I, I actually went to their place to go and work with them, and uh, there's one morning I remember, and it's after they did like some kind of video filming or something, and literally, it it was like. I, I didn't pick them up, but it, it was like picking. You could walk around and pick them up from different areas of the house, or the, you know what I mean, just sleeping wherever. Just, <laughs> and then one of the got with hairs all over the place, topless, just walking all over
0: himself. There was no, there wasn't any stick. Oh, okay, real band you said. Yeah, Maybe there was, modern sorry. day. You mean Mo-
1: modern day? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but they're at the Barfly in London on actually the tenth of October, which is next week. And a few other dates, which you can check out on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Echo Tape. They're actually in Salisbury. Are they? Yeah.
0: On the... next Friday. I see. From your list, the old L House. Yeah. those are. That's that's a very old school music venue in Salisbury. And I doubt they'll be there next year. What? The old L House? Yeah. Closing down? Well, I was talking more about the fact they'd probably be off in America or something. But Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> the partner. More important, the bar. Two the bar probably is going to close down, Con- isn't it? I'm concerned mm. for them. Maybe these guys can
0: bring it back. Maybe they can. Right, what's happening today? Today, Steve, is special. Uh, why? Not only special for our guest, who we will introduce in a minute, but people, it is our first anniversary. Our first birthday. And our 20th episode. So last October. It was actually last... Last August, I think, me and you sat down and had... I know we were driving to a gig. Mm, That was right. And we had that brainwave of... uh, We were listening to another podcast and thought, we should do something like this. It was a totally unrelated field, like,
1: what was it? Nutrition. Yeah, do you know what? I think it's worth mentioning that, just because that was where it all started. So if anybody
0: to listened to it, that was Ben Coomber Radio. Ben Coomber Radio, that's right. He's a trainer and nutritionist, isn't he? Yeah. And just kind of casual... Light hearted. People on, had a chat. Yeah. Mm. Um so we sat and did that and then we conceived it and sat around and talked about it for a bit, but we didn't actually get around to recording the first episode and releasing it until October of 2013. Um and that one that we released was was it the third one we Cheeky recorded? Monkeys, didn't we? Yeah, we recorded one. Thought it was hilarious, but it was only us who thought it was hilarious. We sent it out to about ten
1: people, and they were like,
0: "Yeah, it's trash. you're talking too much." Yeah, that changed. <laughs> um, and then we recorded it a second time. Yeah. Same comments. But then we recorded it a third time and I thought we might have struck the balance, but checking the stats, I'm not sure we have. Yeah, what's it on? The first episode? How many downloads? So at the moment we're on 28,000 downloads. 28.136 if you want to be exact. Which is quite a lot. I'm Mm. proud of that. We've had some amazing guests. uh, The top three episodes, episode one. I think it's only the top because it's been around the longest. That has 4,134 plays, that one. Uh, closely followed by episode four, which is the one about high notes. That's two and a half thousand. Makes sense. Uh, And episode two, which was about key changes, nearly two and a half thousand again, just under. So what that tells us is that people listen to the first episode and half of them think we're knobs. (laughs) (laughs) Knobs! And and just move on to something else. And the other half think... Yeah, I could listen to this and then carry on with the rest of the episode, so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You can't please them all, but it refines our audience, so those of you who are still with us, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. Most of them are in America, by the looks of things. Yeah, we checked out our stats. 76% of our listeners are in the US. The next four countries are Germany, Canada... France. France and Australia. Cheers, guys. Cheers, England. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> no,
1: let's face it, I mean, I think most people in England, prefer listening to the Americans, and Americans like listening to England, so I'm happy with that. That's probably true, is I it? like America better than England anyway, so... Oh, that's not a way to get more English people, is it? Hate you lot. Don't bother.
0: <laughs> um, but jokes, of love
1: me, and they've come from America, most of
0: them as well. Yeah, we've had um, Dave Stroud, big, big vocal coach. Big gun. Who else? Well, today's massive. We'll go into that in a second. Scott Allen. Amazing musical theatre songwriter. He was one of my highlights, to be fair. Really? Yeah. Our episode when we did a songwriting game with him, which was hilarious, Funny. backstage at the Hippodrome uh, before his show, which we watched, and it was amazing. And uh, just because I'm packing up the house and packing up things, I came across did you? the piece of paper that we, uh, we wrote the song on with Scott's signature, and it was called, You've Had Your Cake. Uh that's song, <laughs> and he even sang it. It was just great when he yeah, just pinched the it. paper off me after I read the first few lines and said, Hang on, this is pretty good and then started singing it. It was just hilarious. I think for me my highlights have been uh it
1: it more about just where we've been and who we've spoken to and just thinking back. Well, I mean actually I mean you talk about gonna we talk about going to Brighton and that day down there by the beach. was an amazing day, great crack, wasn't it, down
0: there? Yeah. Um, Chip Chip is a wild lady. Yeah. She she did sparklers with us indoors to yeah. celebrate the end of the podcast, which is a first. Yeah, we... On the top of a mountain in... Santa Monica. Santa Monica with,
1: with Ian. That was awesome. Um, where else have we been? Um, well, even just coming in and... Uh, like late, We both finished teaching one night and then we had the beautiful Rachel Lawrence just at the other end of
0: the Skype call. Do you know what I mean? In New York. In New York, yeah. Mm. Just, it's awesome. So I hope you guys also got some, I don't know, some use... At in between the useless tosh that we usually come out with. Um, but as a celebration of our um, birthday, we're giving away five copies of Icing to five lucky people. So please go and visit the thenakedvocalist.com forward slash birthday. OK, that will take you straight to a page where you just enter your details quickly and ask us a singing question. And the best five questions will all win a copy of I Sing Each. OK, Ace. you can get technical. Try and stay away from the kind of questions that ask us if, you know, is your anus um, mm. uh, a relevant resonant chamber? No. Mm. Stop being okay. Don't be silly. Don't be funny. Let's try and be serious about yeah. this. Let's get some worth. Yeah, singing is serious. It shouldn't be fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you run the studio, yeah? Mm. Cool. Uh, so yes, get, get yourself along to that. Or you can see it on our, on our Facebook page. We post a video on there just to celebrate. Uh, quick news before we get into the podcast. Mm. Steve, news.
1: Um, one thing really, like, I'm, I'm really excited about in my life at the moment is... Love, Soul, Hype. The and news, The Naked Vocalist. The news, uh, Naked Vocalist. And if there is going to be something else, it would be Love, Soul, Hype. Oh, so the other, why, that's the other thing, yeah. yeah. New Term just started uh, <laughs> last week. And it's just because we've just been spending a lot of time in developing the programme. Um, and you say
0: programme, mm. so it's like a... Yeah, I think that's... yeah. It's not just... That 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 alludes to the fact it has structure. Yeah, and it's been a massive. There's been
1: massive confusion over this, and I think it's just because, I think in life at the moment, whenever like kids sing, especially at stage schools and stuff, it's like get kids together, put them in a choir, and let them sing. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to do something different than that because it's. I just kind of feel that it's more. We can maximise development more than just doing the thing. Yeah. Which actually leads into another point of mine that I've been struggling with over the past, well, probably few years, to be honest. And that, I don't know what you think about it, but just that it's funny where singing is probably one of the only things, mm, is one of those things in life where we just do the thing. With, and that Without too much thought. Yeah, and, we, and without thinking, it, like, if you said to somebody, right, there's a high jump, right, let's, let's go. You've never done it, never, never done it before. Go on, then. Have a crack at that. And they would. And they probably would, and they'd be awful. Never wouldn't go anywhere near it, and probably get despondent, demotivated, and walk away and go, never doing that again. Yeah. How many times does that happen in singing?
0: What, that people just
1: sing once and leave? Yeah. Not much, actually. Well, I would say that people probably get despondent.
0: They do get despondent, but I think they carry on within the realms of what they're capable of. Yeah. And and, and like you say, they... You know, it is the despondency means that your growth is stunted.
1: Yeah, that's what... You I, stop yeah, right there, yeah. don't you? So that's what I mean. I guess on the flip side, it's actually about, can we give people the tools and ability to be able to use singing in whichever form they want in their life, whether that's West End, uh, writing those stuff, karaoke, yeah, and use and, and use it, to, like I say, to their maximum and have the tools and experience and confidence to do that. Because so I just feel so many people don't. And that's actually probably half of the mental health stuff that I'm working with as well. It's like just trying to get people to use their voice. It's, um, there's so many barriers. yeah, And, um, and that added to maximising this awesome thing that we can do that has no real... Uh, negative effects mm-hmm. or disadvantages. It's just about maximizing that. So we put this program together to do that It's every different aspect, which actually, to be fair, a lot is based on mindset. Yeah. You know, and we've been knowing in the studios that if you only did this, if you only practiced, you would get this back or you'd, you know, and that goes down to the growth mindset mm-hmm. that, you know, Carol Dweck talks about and I actually recommend that book, listening to it or reading it. It's, it's an amazing book about how to can I know you were listening to something recently or Bounce, bounce yeah, yeah.
0: similar, similar chapter yeah.
1: but Carol Dweck's done all the research on the growth mindset and how it's the best <laughs> seemingly the best way to live your life is to be open to learning everything's a process and just if you focus on the end result you're probably going to be disappointed in a sense that if you're something when you're successful what are you when you're not Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's really quite all that kind of stuff. So we're trying to funnel this into this program, this vocal program for kids. Um, They meet every once a week. And it's just, there's just one thing we were, we're having a bit of a laugh about it, really. It's all a bit kind of, um, all a bit dramatic. But we just thought one day, like, imagine a world where, not kids, but, you know, because they'd be adults by then, but um, human beings felt like they could use singing as naturally as speaking. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Gets there though, doesn't it? Yeah. Imagine and think about that now in life, right now. How that so isn't the case, and no. how far away.
0: But but it's, it's yeah. That's always the possibility, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When you speak to clients, it's like oh, you, I just use the words often. Like imagine you just open your mouth and it just happens. Because mm. that is so possible. Mm, that's possible that's with it. the structured routine. You can just get up and all you all you need to care about is expressing yourself. All you need to care about is you might even not think about the lyrics they 'll be so within you yes it's just about like oh god what what else can you do? You can do shopping lists. it could be so natural that you could probably think about your shopping and still give a good performance of hard songs mm, mm. it gets that way, but i i love I love the growth mindset stuff, and i love the I love the fact that they did some tests way back, maybe it was her i don 't know, but it was um how to praise people and how to say. They tested a group on saying whether, term, yeah. whether they were, you must have worked really hard versus, oh, you must be very clever. Yeah. And the group that um, were praised as being very clever ended up being quite fixed in their mindset because any, any possibility of them being seen as not clever anymore crippled them so much that they would lie about the results yep. and or not undertake a task. Right. Because they were so like, oh, my God. I've been praised in this way and I need to keep it. But the people that work really hard are completely the opposite. So you get praised for how hard you worked, not related to the outcome. And they are, those people were tested in that way. They had more of the growth mindset and they were more they took on harder and harder tasks even with failure just yep. because rather than showing that they were clever all they cared about was showing that they worked hard. Yeah. Because that's where the praise mattered. Well, it was interesting. Really was, great. The same same test I'm sure one of the same tests was that the, they
1: actually did a study where the, the children were they, the, like I say they took the test equal test some of them praised for the process and how hard they worked and some of them were, were praised for the result mm-hmm. and then they took uh, another test straight afterwards and the um, the guys who were prayed for the result got worse marks than the yeah actual worse marks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So even you know in terms of if you if that's a perceived success, they failed. Yeah. In comparison to the other guys that that actually got higher grades. Yeah. It's incredible,
0: isn't it? We- weird. Yeah. But great. So it's it's really interesting to apply that to yeah kids and a process to to get them on the right path and in I, life. And I've got this
1: idea, you know, for the future. It's like actually. Um, this could be applied to anything. So, almost singing is a secondary and lots of hype for us, you know. As could be any musical instrument. As could be any other subject. I think you could take if we if we get and this sport if we yeah if we, any get, any yeah invitation. yeah whatever if we get this approach right it could be something we could use across the board. Do you mm-hmm. know? But um, and then get it into schools, which we're talking about at the moment with the music and the Education Council and stuff, which is really quite exciting at the moment. But that's that. Anyway, talk too long about that. Sorry.
0: Yeah, no, that's cool. I think it's great. I think people will be really interested in it too. Cool. So what's going on with you? Oh, man. The London studio is kicking ass. Mm, I hear. I love it. I'm opening up more days there, which is cool. I'm moving to London, which is great. Um, a couple of clients have ended up on Radio 1 this week. Really? So Ed, Ed who... Um, is the voice I work with, and he, we played his music on the show a little while back, I Am Giant, the the rock band, so he's ended up on the Daniel P. Carter show, after a tour of uh, New Zealand and the bunch, so they're doing really cool, one of my other clients, Georgia, who I've been working with for a short while, um, she ended up on, uh, I can't remember whose uh, record it was, but you know, it's a DJ (laughs) featuring Georgia, and they ended up on One Extra, DJ One, um, Radio One Extra. So that was pretty cool. And they both obviously very chuffed about that, popping that. Mm. Through the wonder of Facebook, I get to see that instantly, you know? Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. I'm really happy for those clients. And um, and I went to a belt workshop on yes. the weekend, a belting workshop. For those of you who are not sure what belting is, it's, it's that kind of really excited, stylistic yelling, which is cool. Musical theatre, people need it. Um, if you're going to bash out a Whitney song you're going to need a good belting voice or whatever. Isn't particularly sustainable, but it's, it's not, it's pretty difficult mm. to be honest with you. And, uh, it just outlined, I mean, the guy who ran it, lovely guy, Yeah. really personable. I really enjoyed listening to him. Um, he knew his stuff in terms of, in terms of anatomy, but, um, there was a simplified approach to belting in that, well, were, that he gave, that he gave right. that with you know, there were three, three main points. He said, you know, if you have this, this, and this, you're good to go. Cleared for takeoff is the words are used. But, you know, the singers that were tested, um, and he had one of his clients come in, um, they just kind of proved that if you have those three things, you're not cleared for takeoff. Right, it just I didn't, didn't mean, work you mean out. the
1: result didn't go as planned? Yeah, right.
0: the result didn't go as planned. And, um, you know, some of that's down to chaos factor, isn't it? Mm. Like the student nerves. All that jazz. Yeah, broke. yeah, yeah. But you but as a voice teacher you can sit there and you can hear that things are just out of place, you know. The and again it's not necessarily his or her fault, who was the subject and the teacher, but um I just think that they had this view that belting everyone can do it, but I'm just really convinced that not everyone can do it. Mm. People need to be in a certain place, their voice needs to be set up in a certain way. Um and for people that just don't just do it off the cuff, unknowingly you have to be really far down the line with your voice. Mm. You have to really know it well to make the adjustments um, and to fine-tune it without abusing yourself. Or Could just- you, yeah, as we said, to
1: use it as a tool that you can jump in and out of
0: in a controlled manner. Yeah. If you're already yeah. tense, it's going to compound the tension. Yeah, yeah. You are screwed. And, uh, yeah, so the results of the belting, I mean, it's a, it was a useful workshop in seeing that, you know, people struggle with it out there. It's not easy to find a, to find a really good solution for people to belt and to teach it successfully across all levels will be a triumph, if, right? If if it's something possible, you know, and that's something I'm going to look into. What so across the board? Across the board, being able to belt workshop, but so, it has to be more technical than just than just inside we, an hour.
1: Yeah, and that's it. And as we as we we said before, and we know that kind of across the board stuff just doesn't really
0: work Systems. with anything. No you know there needs to be more education someone needs a background before yeah. they attempt belting mm-hmm. and and distortion is the other things i'm working on it's just you have to be really in control and many singers aren't quite there yet they're close sometimes they're far away mm-hmm. but sometimes people are, are there mm-hmm. and when you meet those people you're just like oh yes you could you you are capable of, of making the adjustments but you got some maybe some tools that you
1: know that you could you could use or try out with singers. Yeah, try out, test them
0: out. Right. You know, try and pick holes in them. Is that what you got from the from the workshop? Yeah, yeah, and some some that I will experiment with, cool. that, but only for the purpose of on my own. Yeah, mm. and with singers who are prepared to work with me to see actually what doesn't work. Mm. So I think the pro- you know getting to the process of something that works, you've got to make sure you know what doesn't work. Mm. Mm. go and knock those out and be a little bit negative about it find the faults in it mm. um so yeah that was an interesting workshop so if you're interested in belting out there you know feel free to get in touch but but just be aware that it's it's not easy mm. and it can be so tiring especially if you've come from classical background mm. so that there are my news that's my news this week um yeah. so we should really introduce the phenomenal guests <sighs> Oof, that we have Uh, He is, he's actually German. Listening back to the podcast, you know, he was raised in Germany. World famous voice scientist. Probably the most famous. Mm, Yeah. The voice teachers out there would know who he is. Yeah. Um, Voice researchers and voice scientists will be probably hold him as a bit of a god. And we're fortunate to have him
1: as part of our network. I say have him. It's like we own him or something. <laughs> I and mean, I, I keep him in my pocket. If we can just check in with him. But yeah, we, you'll find out more about him in a second. But first, we just wanted to very quickly kind of riff on a couple of things, or one thing maybe, and it's just more, more about the technicalities of what he goes into here. And there, I'm sure there'll be some people out there that are listening to this that are going, okay, um, I'm out. I'm uh, out of my depth. Yeah, and and maybe want to switch off or just get a bit maybe despondent because not really keeping up with it or something but what do you want to say about that
0: well he talks about formants and harmonics now i have written a a fairly detailed blog Mm. post to support this okay okay? so if you're feeling a little bit out of your depth read the blog post along with the um podcast which is at thenakedvocalist.com forward slash podcast forward slash two zero um, there's some explanations about performance and harmonics and the different muscle groups that he talks about but performance and harmonics i must say it's something that people really need to know if they're going to be advanced singers and or voice teachers yeah but it is a very abstract world it's not obvious it's confusing and believe me i had to listen to information about Performance and harmonics about 15 times before yep. it sunk in. So, if you're sat there going, I don't get it, listen again. And I would like for would, some more yeah, stuff. I would suggest that. I would say, if you really want to
1: get your head around it, that's how I did it as well. I just kept on reading different things. Yeah. And, and, and again, I'd read it's two hours, I'd be sat there going, nah. Mm hmm. Okay, next day, let's try again, and it does. If it, it's some certain stuff drops, doesn't it? But what I say is that you know we're singers or singing teachers. We're not scientists, are we? No. And that's the hardest thing for me to begin with. I know it was for me was the fact that you can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and 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 I actually, and I think I probably still do now. You know, I'm more, I'm more about, I'm more about, move this, change that, and we'll get this audible response that we can. Just from from years of experience of listening to singers, yeah, right. But brilliant harmonics and and formants that that people like Ingo are researching because it really does, for one thing, support what we're doing, doesn't it? Yeah, supports what we're doing, gives kind of real a great
0: foundation for the changes that we make. But also, it's just going to advance everything, and we're going to. Get... And it's turned around the singing industry. Yeah, it's oh, t- yeah. it's turned around singing teaching imagery imagery because a lot of people used to explain things that were based on yeah imagery and close but not quite there explanations mm. on the resonance and mix and how chest and head voice works but the the research that ingo does and everything mm. has really it, it has almost put some people out of business in mm. terms of mm. how they're like okay now now i need to completely readdress how i think about voice because Whatever I was saying isn't quite Mm. right. And some teachers have embraced that like we have and gone, okay, we weren't perfect, but we'll Mm. take on the new stuff. Some people resist, but yeah, if you want to know the truth, you have to, if you're you're a voice teacher, you have to know this stuff. mm. Geek out people. This is for the, this is for the geeks. Please welcome Ingo Tietze. So we are privileged to be here today
1: with Dr Ingo Tietze. He's a voice scientist and executive director of the National Center for Voice and Speech at University of Utah in Salt Lake City. He's also a professor at the Department of Communication Services and Disorders at the University of Iowa. And he's also written several books relating to the human voice. I'm sure there's a million other things we haven't covered in that, but...
0: I hear he's a good cook as well, <laughs> Where'd you hear that? I, well, somebody went to your barbecue, actually. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So. Uh, well, that was a combination of people. Oh, I see. <laughs> you can't take all the credit for that, <laughs> No, Not very little, in fact. <laughs> all right, great. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself? And, and uh, that, that's the brief synopsis, but tell us a bit more about how you got from from... I don't know, maybe a teenager to now. Okay, well I'll start actually. I
2: was born in (coughs) Germany and uh, right uh, after the, well, four years before the war ended. um, And so I learned uh, all of my interest in music from listening to my uh, mother and aunts and uncles singing and listening to the radio, primarily classical music. And so I got hooked early on into singing. Um, sang with my mother and my aunt a lot Uh, but at the same time um, my father always uh, contemplated us emigrating from Germany because the situation for us going to university or something were not that great Um, so in 1955 we emigrated and I was 13 at the time and he encouraged us very much to take advantage of American education, higher education and he said you know go into sciences, that's where the money is And so I could never figure out which path, given by my parents, I should follow. And so it was a a parallel path forever. And even when I had my master's degree in electrical engineering and started taking my first voice lessons when I was in my 20s, I could not figure out which would be the vocation, which the avocation. Um, So I went and worked for the Boeing company as an engineer and for North American Aviation and did all sorts of interesting things. <clears throat> but once I took voice lessons, I could never get my head away from the human voice. Everything that you know, I thought of during the day when I was walking or doing something always came back to the voice. And at the time there was apparently nobody in the world, no physicist anyway, and I got my PhD in physics after my engineering degrees. Um, there was no physicist that ever had done much on the human voice. I mean, eyes had been uh, examined and ears and all other parts of the body, but there was almost nothing available, and uh, so I decided I was going to just sing
0: while I researched the voice (laughs) and do that forever, as long as I can. Still doing it. Great. (laughs) Mm. And we've been witness to that in a couple of your lectures actually today and yesterday. Unbelievable knowledge and experience obviously spanning all that time But you can
1: can tell that the, the passion for the voice is there for you and a lot of people here which you've probably heard a lot in the past I'm sure your ability to relay what you know in a very easy way for people to understand and voice teachers all around the world will benefit from the way in which you actually approach that complex information Is that from your passion do you feel?
2: Yes, it's absolutely a total joy to be able to explain uh, something yet in another way with like another parable, another example, uh, when there's very complex terminology and very complex science that's behind it. And and the physics behind the human voice is not particularly easy physics because it's it involves chaos and all of the things that... Is, is done now in, in uh, fairly broad applications throughout the engineering and physics world. So to be able to bring it down to something that you can explain to your brother or to your mother or to your aunt or anybody or anybody at any level in, in the
0: singing world, that is absolutely exciting. Yes, <laughs> and, and valuable. And do, do, you feel, do you feel like maybe uh, the fact that you do sing yourself and experiment on your own voice, that helps you to create... A better explanation even further? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't
2: think you can really be a a complete scientist in voice without going through the steps of learning how to sing yourself and speak and do all the things that
0: that we can do with our voice. Absolutely Mm -hmm. true. Hey, great. So we've got some questions for you, actually. We want to talk about some areas of the voice that we know the listeners ask about regularly and or come up in conversation quite often. So... And while we had you here, we thought we might as well exploit your knowledge because I know people out there be up for it. So the one thing we'd like to, like to get a good, a good explanation for, because I know voice teachers sometimes struggle to put it in a nutshell about how the voice works on a, on a basic scientific level. Can you, can you run us through that briefly? Sure. It
2: begins with the lung pressure. And the minute that you raise the pressure in the lungs, you begin to drive a flow of air through uh, the uh, airways, the vocal tract, as we call it. Um, And then that air passes between uh, two soft uh, walls, which are the vocal folds. And uh, there an instability uh, can occur. And That instability means that the wall is no longer steady, but it begins to self-oscillate, as this is what we call it. And the conditions have to be right for that. You have to have the right amount of uh, approximation between the vocal folds. The surfaces have to be right. And the tissue properties, the elasticity and viscosity inside the tissue have to be right. And when it's all set up, then they'll just oscillate, self-oscillate. And then the interruption of the air, periodically, um, every cycle, creates a new puff of excitement of an acoustic wave. And that acoustic wave then travels up and down with reflections in the vocal tract. And the combination of those reflections and what goes out the mouth is what we hear. And that results in the human voice. Yeah, that, that is then this, yeah.
1: And I think the next, the next thing that people would ask is, how are different pitches made with this small instrument that we have within the, within the body? How do we actually create the different pitches?
2: Well, we have um, a layered structure of tissue. We have uh, not just two simple strings for the vocal folds, but they're complicated strings that are made out of layers of tissue, and each layer has a different uh, tension capability. And so with our muscles, we learn how to put the right length on the vocal folds and the right contraction of the muscle fibers to then get the pitch that we want. Is by no means easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we make many mistakes in trying to target a certain pitch. But over a period of years, we figure out exactly what combination of muscles will give us that pitch.
0: Okay. And I- sometimes we still make a mistake after all these years. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. It, that, that's the chaos that you're talking about, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, so looking at that, in, in terms of muscular, muscularity and resonance, why is it so hard to hit notes that get higher and higher? Well, because
2: uh, first of all, uh, greater muscle activation and so you're using more effort and um, then what happens is the frequencies that you produce at the source, at the larynx, interact more with the resonances of uh, the vocal tract. At very low speaking pitches, the primary energy in the first and second and third harmonic are all below the resonance in the vocal track, but as we get to higher pitches there's more interaction and that interaction can be uh, helpful but it also can also be a hindrance and we sometimes can't predict exactly where uh, the good spots are and where the bad spots are. Right. And so it's a kind of a minefield of, of figuring out what
0: vowel vocal track shape works best with what pitch. And and how broad do you think the use of vowels are as you go higher? Do you really feel like it gets very narrow which vowels you can use to tune which pitches? Yeah, if
2: you're a classical singer, then you centralize all the vowels. So the E goes to an E, and the a goes to an E, and the A goes to an A, and so forth. They all go more to the center of the vowel
0: chart as we have it. Um, but if you're... So they all end up being kind of similar in shape. Yeah. More similar than they are in their spoken way. Exactly. Right. But if you're
2: a belter, then you have even fewer choices because only the ah and the eh, uh are the ones that really work for high-pitched belting.
1: And that, that's, a, that's a cracking transition there, actually. Um, well, I know we had a question about the larynx and, and the larynx position. And you just mentioned about the belting. And uh, from earlier on today, when, when you spoke about the, the larynx height and that it's factored into what we perceive as belting in this, in this day and age, would that be mm. correct in saying yeah. that? Yeah. And so could you explain how there how the larynx comes into play in terms of pitch, especially, I guess, if we're talking about belting? You yeah. mean the, the yeah. up and down movement yeah. of the yeah. larynx? That's correct, yeah.
2: Well, again. Um, when you are belting, you want to strengthen the second harmonic. And, and why is that? Because that's simply the characteristic sound that people are looking for. It's a more uh, rich sound than a pure sound that is made with the first harmonic. Um, and so that's criteria number one. You want to strengthen the second harmonic. How can you do that? Well, you want to get it close to the first resonance of the vocal tract, first formant that we call, and that strengthens it. So how do you raise that first formant? You have to somehow shorten the vocal tract because there's a rule that says the longer the tube, the lower the formants. The shorter the tube, the higher the formants. So if you want to raise the formant, you've got to do everything you can to shorten that vocal tract. So you can raise the larynx, you can spread the lips, you can lower the jaw,
1: all of these things will effectively acoustically shorten the tube. Which was yeah. interesting, it is fascinating earlier on when you spoke about Adina Menzel. Was it Adina that you spoke about? Uh-huh. Yeah. When she's singing in, in Wicked, the, uh, those top pitches there, and you actually measured her mouth shape in comparison to her head. Yeah, we size. measured
2: the area, total area of the mouth, the open mouth, and the cross sectional area of the head and we did that with many singers, and she won out in terms
0: of the ratio between mouth to head it's area. So, so in other words, she can open her mouth extremely wide, hence giving her the ability to um, tune into that second formant, or that second first, harmonic higher and higher through the first formant tuning.
2: Yeah, And usually the first formant for a speech vowel, say a speech ah for a female, would probably be around 800 hertz. And for her to do those notes that she's doing, she is uh, moving that format from 800 probably all the way to 1200 by doing all these gestures that we talked about. And so if it's 1200 and the second harmonic then would be around 1200, just a little bit less. That means that she can take her fundamental, which is the pitch, to half that. because And so that would be 600 hertz. That is right around the D5 or so or even E flat 5, that is usually the end
0: node for the belters. Right, yes, oh absolutely, but she can go beyond that. Well, some can, some yeah. can, yeah.
1: <laughs> and just to clarify there, you go. It's, it's you mentioned about Adina's, the, the mouth and the fact that the corners of the mouth widen so much, and obviously that will then shorten the, the, the vocal tract again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is there a substantial difference in the tension as well as this shortening of the tract? Is it, or is it just, is it kind of fundamentally the space in the tract is making a difference? No, no, the, the, there is
2: tension in the vocal folds, but this is mainly tension in the muscle fibers. So she doesn't use as much tension in the ligament or the, um, layers of the vocal fold that are closer to the surface. This is the tension in the muscle fibers because the belt is done
1: with a fair amount of thyroid contraction. Um, and somebody who is mixing in it, for for want of a better explanation, mixing those pitches that would, or the perceived sound of mix, would be using the ligaments and the other layers of the vocal cords as opposed to the muscle to create those pitches.
2: Exactly. And and the trick that we all have to learn is if we do want to uh, bridge the registration, we have to learn how to balance the tension we have in the muscle fibers with the tension in the ligament. And that's not easy it's easier said than done uh, and if you don't prepare to make that transition and gradually shift the tension from the muscle to the ligament then it happens suddenly and abruptly and then too, you too get late. A voice crack <laughs> yes.
0: you get the crack right on okay so, so looking at that belting itself As you've mentioned, there's almost like you're selectively raising the larynx. You're selectively choosing to change the shape of the tube to facilitate a sound that you Mm -hmm. want to produce. So, can you talk to us about like, I know a lot of people hear high larynx and go, oh no, especially voice teachers and and a lot of people, students I hear say it's really bad. Can you talk us through what is good and what is bad in the case of a high larynx? Well, I'm a believer that you should
2: never drive the voice to any extreme very long. You should always find a middle ground from which you can go in both directions. So when I hear young females that are always going for the super belt, in other words they go to the maximum raising of the larynx and the maximum spreading of the lips, and the, that to me suggests uh, eventual problems. But the, the smart ones will use their belt sound uh, for the money notes that they have to produce but then they go back to more of a mix from which they can go in, in both directions. That to me is, is the rule that I would go by. Right. Uh, so it, there's nothing wrong with going to the edge of the road sometimes a little bit because people want vocal freaks. Let, let, let me throw that out. If, if we're too conservative and we're right down the middle in everything we do, then we're like everybody else and we don't get paid for that. Mm-hmm. So every singer has to figure out, how can I get to that real exciting note that almost throws me off the high wire? Um, but how often you do it and how well you do it, that's the key it's for survival.
1: I think that's really going to be really valuable, too, especially a lot of musical theaters thing is obviously, because I think there's a mindset that, I, I want to be belting all the time. That's what I do as a musical theatre singer. I need to belt all the time. But what you're saying there is actually, um, we use it use it sparingly. Use it for the times when you need it. Because um, anatomically, it's impossible to maintain that.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Well, and it's, uh, aesthetically, it becomes ugly after a while. If I hear every uh, note in a song is a so, sort of super belt... <clears throat> That's like every note is breathy, sure. you know, it, it's just, it's not exciting. The good singers, you know, uh, like Celine Dion and those that have lasted a long time, they know when to give that belt, but they also know how to give the sweet sounds and the mixed
0: sounds and all the other qualities. Absolutely. And it does sound like the way you describe it in terms of the way you activate a muscle and the way you shape a chamber, but being able to come back to balance, you know, how much training do you think it takes to be able to be able to morph between those two places?
2: Well, uh, probably it's a little different for every individual, um, but uh, certainly it's something that every singer has... every singer has to come back to a home base, uh, somehow, and, and for classical singers they go back to the 24 Italian arias that they've sung when they were starting out, and I don't know what the Belters come back to in terms of your know, home base, and make sure often, that... Often every... nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think the smart ones they know, you know, I've gone too far, too long, I need to, you know, me and my teacher have to work out
1: some way of getting back to, to a balance. Yes. this The science side of this really opens my eyes to even just giving things a bit of a break. And do you feel that way, that actually, with if you consider airflow, uh, post configuration of the vocal tract and vocal cords and the five layers within the vocal cords that need to be configured, that's just a... Oh, just off the top of my head when you consider all those factors singing is really tricky isn't it so...
2: well it's hard because uh, we're not given it a, a very good instrument I mean I, from a purely mechanical point of view what we have been given by nature is an ugly instrument mm. it's not well built because as I said before earlier, nature is so stingy with what it gives us and so we have to really really learn how to play it well and then there's a combination of the player and the instrument being all wrapped up in one. I mean, if you play a Stradivarius violin on a day when you're emotionally or somehow fatigued, but the instrument's still good. But in the voice, everything goes down together. The instrument goes down with a player, mm. and the instrument goes up with a player. That's why the vocalist, when he's on, gets the greatest amount of applause, more than the violinist or uh, somebody else. But when, when they're down, they also get the greatest boos because the things,
0: you know, go wildly in both directions. Absolutely. And you, you were talking earlier about the limbic system. Can you explain a bit more about how that affects the voice in terms of emotional content?
2: Yeah, well, the limbic system is what we have in common uh, with, uh, with all other mammalian creatures on this earth. Uh, and um, it's basically the, what uh, governs our impulsive cries and uh, shouts and... Uh, and laughter and giggle and all these things that we do Um, and uh, it often just comes very spontaneous and if you at the same time you're trying to uh, produce something with the speech cortex or the musical part of your brain um, then there are two messages that can come simultaneously and they both act very strongly on the larynx and uh, then trouble can happen. Yes. And so we never, when we sing, we never want to really be emotionally, we want to uh, fake emotions and make the listener emote, but we have
0: to be in control of that system all the time. Yeah. And um, um, why is it that system can, can be thrown out? Why can you be interrupted by your limbic system when you don't want to? Um, well, the muscles just contract in a very different way. Um,
2: you know, when you cry or when you shout or squeal. Um, it's, it hasn't been studied all that well what the combinations of CT and TA muscle activities are or the adductors. Um, the, you, those are studies that should be done, but then you've got to have real emotions. And how do you do that in the laboratory?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: the only emotion in the laboratory is like, this place is weird. Yeah, I, I feel uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I've done it with giggling, and usually what you do is when you want to study a giggle or a laughter. Um, You get your subject and put the uh, hooked wire electrodes in them and and measure the muscle activity. But you have to have some people in the audience that start a laughter. And the first one's a fake laughter, and the second one is too. And pretty soon that goes into real laughter. And and then you have the subjects doing it really spontaneously
0: and from the limbic system. Uh, Otherwise they're doing it from some other control. Absolutely. And so the limbic system essentially is... Not necessarily within your control. That's, that's correct. And it is a survival thing at the end of the day, right? Yeah.
1: But did you mention yesterday, and I could be wrong here, I, 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 I think I remember it being neuromuscular, uh, the, the limbic system in association with vibrato. I know it hasn't been, you mentioned it hasn't been studied, vibrato hasn't been studied, but I know that it's a big one for singing teachers. Can vibrato be taught? Is it something that is quote-unquote natural? Could you give an explanation of that? Okay. Well, the one study that I
2: did is uh, I excited – I I put uh, needles in the TA and the CT muscles, and I stimulated at various different rates, 2 hertz, 3 hertz, 4 hertz, 5, and so. And I found that there was very little vibrato created um, at 2 hertz – And I did it basically on myself. And I know that my natural vibrato rate was about five and a half hertz. So at two hertz stimulation, it didn't change much. I did, ah, and it just kind of clicked a little bit. But the closer I came to my natural vibrato, all of a sudden, you know, the extent of the frequency variation was very, very large. And it was really reinforced. So the natural vibrato was reinforced by the stimulation, which told me something is that there is something peripherally going on. It's not all in the brain, because stimulation of the muscle would not have affected what's going on in the brain. But there is kind of a tuning that goes on, right in the larynx between muscles that are excited. And so my theory is that the brain does start to produce the frequencies over a broad range, so anything from 3 to 10 or 12 hertz, and they're all in there. presenting frequencies to the muscles. But then it's the reflexes between the TA and the CT that sharpen those frequencies and give then a more steady 5.5 half, half or 6 hertz rate. That was a long explanation for no, absolutely. Uh, uh, what, what's the cause of vibrato. Now You asked, can it be trained? Uh, yes, I believe it can. Uh, when I started out I had a very very fast vibrato it was probably close to seven hertz or so and I was given exercises in the mid-range of the frequency and with letting go a little bit of the lung pressure and it settled down into a somewhat slower vibrato but now uh, it's gone too slow because age slows down the reflexes and if reflexes are part of vibrato then naturally, as you get older, the rate will slow down. And so a lot of times when people are in their 60s and 70s and still want to sing, uh, they have a slower
0: vibrato. Right. And so there's not necessarily anything that can be done about that? Um, well, not much. Right. I mean, reflexes slow
2: down, you don't walk as fast as you can. We did once. And, um, but under I- immediate control, there are two things about vibrato. One is the extent of how high and how low you go between, uh, or vis-a-vis the median pitch. Uh, That can be controlled easier. So the jazz singer goes from, uh, uh, they do that with with the extent more than with the rate. The rate is pretty much determined. I call it firm wired, uh, and the extent is sort of soft wired. You can change it instantaneously. Right, so the rapidity and the depth you're talking about there, right? Mm, okay, rapidity and depth, depth is a good way to think of it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, a, and a normal vibrato is a quarter tone up and a quarter tone down from the mean pitch that you're trying to sing. That's a healthy vibrato, and, and a healthy
0: rate is about 5 to 6 hertz. So, so if a vibrato goes farther than that, what does that point towards in a voice, if it goes a little deeper than a quarter pitch? Um, well,
2: if it... If it I've heard very fine voices that have uh, a whole note up and a whole note down, and it's still not objectionable. But then if they go much beyond that, then after a while the pitch becomes uh, too difficult to determine. It is, so the voice just swims around in some sort of average <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> value that, that I can't, right? yeah, yeah, can't determine it anymore. Right. So.
1: Okay, yeah. that's great. Yes, yes. I mean, for, for me, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of information there, and I think the questions we've asked should cover quite a lot of what people have asked us, do you think? Yes. Um, so on that note, I mean, I'd just love to thank you for being with us today. Ingo, My pleasure. And, and for everything you've done for us over this weekend. This, Absolutely. This week, it's, been, it's, been, it's been incredible. So. And if
0: you think, is there anything that you would uh, point listeners towards in terms of uh, general reading about basic voice science that could be understood in layman's terms? Um, let's see.
2: Well, uh, layman's terms. I'm I'm not sure how much we want it um, simplified, but I encourage people to read the Journal of Voice, the Journal of Singing. There are usually uh, articles there that are fairly easy to understand. And uh, if you want to search deeper, then the Journal of Acoustical Society often has uh, nice articles. They're a little bit more technical than which you find in Journal of Singing or Journal of Voice, um, and uh, Journal of Speech and Hearing Research, and then the European uh, Logopedics, Phoniatrics, Vocology, It's also a good journal
1: that has a lot of voice stuff in it. Great. Um, I hear that there are some fantastic books on if anybody wants to delve a little bit deeper into this, this topic yeah. that are out, out at the moment, what, what, would, they, what would they be called? <laughs> <laughs> I've just bought one and you've well, just signed it.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I recommend principles of voice production for people who really want to understand the basic science behind voice, the acoustics and the mechanics. And it, it does have a little bit of mathematics in it, but I created enough pictorial uh, versions of what goes on and enough words around it that I think even people who don't have much of mathematics background can get the essence of what's in there. And the follow-up to that is uh, Vocology, which is more based on uh, practical applications. But if you really want uh, to start from scratch, uh, Fascinations with the Human Voice is a good read uh, for anybody. I don't care what the age is or what their interest is in voice. If they if they want to read a little bit about the human voice, they can get a lot out of that. It right. makes a good Christmas present or something else.
0: Right, on. so And we will you're giving me a to chance to advertise my stuff here, so I'll take advantage. (laughs) uh, Yeah, we we didn't even discuss that was the point, but yeah, that's cool. But um, yeah, we'll put links to all that on on our um, on our blog post that supports this podcast. So if anybody really wants to delve into those books and look at them more, check out the uh, the show note page, um, which we'll tell you at the end of the show. So, thank you so much. We are indebted to you for your time, especially over this weekend. So thanks for joining us. Good experience. Thank you. Wow. Exactly. I love that. I love that fact about Edina um, Menzel. Mm. Head head to mouth ratio, it's insane. Equal to bell. I just love his mind. Is brilliant. Yeah. His workshops are awesome, aren't they? Oh, sitting with that guy is, a, is just a treat. Really is, especially if you're so obsessed with singing and as as
1: we are, and how the voice works and things. It's just. He Just knows he just knows and you sit there just all all through the session, just going
0: oh, yeah, and he 's great to listen to he 's a funny guy he 's got yeah. cool stuff, yeah. and thanks for lovely thanks man. for mindy loving man for setting that up um and he is yeah he is the science advisor um to our network of teachers of ecology and practice, so we do have him. Close by, don't we? Yep. For questions and stuff. So, hope you enjoyed that, people. Like, like I said, get in touch if you're like boggled, which is possible. In fact, very likely. Mm. Um, so uh, we will do our best to help you through that. Uh, little bit of outro news: we are moving out of our house. End of an era. This very spot where we <laughs> record this podcast every time will be no longer. Will be no longer. You sad? Not really. What? See you later. <laughs> no, I am sad. Yeah. I've lived here for four and a half years. You've lived here for three? Yeah. Wow. We've had some parties. We've had some parties. There's so much alcohol left out the back from yeah. people who've left it. We don't really drink anymore, do we? No. <laughs> we have a party twice a year. That's the only times we drink. Yeah. Everyone leaves their alcohol. It just mounts up. So, where are you going? I'm moving to Hampstead in London. To concentrate on my studio more because it's going really well. With your new friends? With my new friends, yeah. yeah. Where are you going? town <laughs> With over all my the, new friends. Over the, Oh, you've got new ones, have you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Is that where you've been no, every you, night, is it? You wouldn't, you're in London. Is that where you've been you every don't care. night, is it? You don't care. Yeah. No, you not home early. With your friends and that? Yeah. 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 Um, so we are moving out. So, you know, there'll probably be a new ambiance in the background next yeah. time we do it, a different sound. Um, so never mind, don't worry about we, it. We, we are going to aim to keep to some sort of consistency with this. <laughs> Life has been very busy, but every two weeks, thank you. Um, Icing 3, the, epi- uh, the um, uh, copy of that will be out shortly. We've written a, a very detailed article on bridging or presagio uh, for you geeks out there, which should hopefully be very useful, full of video blog content to help you out. So get on top of that and we'll do a Q&A for the next show, won't next we? Next show. Technical questions, probably some laughs. Yeah, if you want them. First and foremost. So get in touch with us with more questions if you want. Cool. Well, until then, get involved with the competition and we'll see you next time. Ciao for now. Bye.